I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right. This is The Big Douglas Show. Big Pooh is in the co-host chair. And our guest today is Scott Jackson. Scott, how are you? Good. How you guys doing? Good, good. Pretty good. Well, Scott, we're excited to have you on. Are you, are you still doing the post game for Washington this year? I know you did last year. Yeah, yeah. This will be, I think, year six uh, of doing it. And uh, I was actually at a practice today. So uh, it's feel, starting to feel more real now. You know, you do all this offseason stuff, and it's just like, okay, I got time, I got time, I got time. And then I realized a week from Thursday, we've got a preseason game. It's pretty crazy. That's right. <laughs> The other reason we wanted you on is I know that you have either covered or followed the Wizards forever. So yes. uh, you started your first year covering the team was, was Michael's with, first year. Michael's uh, was the president. It was it was Leonard Hamilton's one year. Um, that was the 19 and 63 Wizards. I was at Sports Talk 9A. It was my first year there. And nobody wanted to do it. And they're like, well, who will do Wizards post game?" And I was like, ah, sure, why not? It's one of the four pro teams in town. Uh, you know, actually, that was actually one of three pro teams in town. It was prior to the Nationals, um, you know, no, you know the, of the major sports. Sorry, DC United. Um, but anyway, so they, they, uh, they're like, oh, yeah, sure, you can do it. It was the worst job at the station. I mean, some nights we'd get like two or three calls. Usually, you know, people are just hammered, drunk, calling, prank calling. Um, then the next year, of course, Jordan comes and plays, and it's like the most interesting job because everybody wants to talk to you about what's going on every game sold out for the next two years so it was uh it was it was a rough first season although you know it was a good experience too I liked Leonard and, and it was uh it was good you know it's been around the team even though they're a complete mess but um yeah the next year was a lot more interesting so I was going to ask you Scott what, what has your journey I mean you, you started covering them right before Jordan's f- first of two years playing yep. here. But what, what has your journey with the Wizards been like since then, just watching them as a team, the organization? Like, what, what are your thoughts on, on them as well, a team? Well, it's weird because we've had these emotions where we, like, thought they had figured it out, right, with the first couple of years with Gilbert and, um, you know, Larry Hughes and even Larry left. They, you know, they got Karan Butler in there, and you think that was good. And obviously Antoine was there, and Antoine was really said, he, you know, was really the calming force of all that uh, during that time. And, um, you know, you feel kind of good about where they're going. Then obviously, you know, Gilbert's situation off the court just disintegrates. You have to get rid of him. Um, I think everybody understood that at that point. Uh, you know, they draft John Wall. Then, you know, it takes a few years, but then they start building it up when they get Beal in there. And it's, it feels like you're going somewhere. But then it's just kind of like, you know, in a different level, in a different circumstance, it feels like the same thing just happened again, right? They got to the second round and they couldn't get past it, right? And then that was it. And then there was a couple first rounders and then it was just kind of a lot of sameness. And it's like, they're still treading water in that same area. Um, and, you know, I've, I've known Tommy for a long time, Tommy Shepard, you know, he was here under Ernie, covered the team then. I really like Tommy. I hope nothing but the best for him, but, but, you know, there's some things he's working against here. I mean, one of which was John Wall's contract. He got rid of that. I mean, and you look at how, like, if you play the degrees of difference between, you know, getting Russ in here, Russ had no value, obviously, because the Wizards didn't give up a pick to get, you know, and obviously, you know, had to give up to get him. John had no value. So it was like two guys that were like lower values at that point. They built Russell's value up enough, at least for the Lakers' mind, they could get some pieces, uh, guys that aren't going to ruin their their structure, uh, guys that they can move easily if they had to. Uh, you know, got another draft pick out of it. So, I mean, I like what he's done. It's just, it's a setting up well, but he's still got to finish it. Right. And the hardest thing for him and for this franchise has always been is will players actually come here? 
Like, will they choose to come here? Yeah, you can trade for them, but will they actually choose to come here? And, and that's the thing. I just feel like, you know, my whole lifetime watching the franchise, whether they're the Bullets or the Wizards, I think a lot of the same things have happened here, which is they're just okay with being in the playoffs, right? Making the money, getting that first round paycheck, you know, those home games, uh, just being good enough. Don't really stick with anybody too long. That's why I feel like the the situation here with, with Ted Leonsis, I, I think he understands that. I think he's realized when he looks at the franchise history outside of guys like Wes Unsold and, you know, Phil Chenier to some degree who was with the, really with the broadcast longer, obviously as a player, um, that these are the guys, you know, you don't have a lot of, unlike the Washington, you know, Redskins players that live around here forever and that are, are beloved, that are part of the community, they're on the broadcasts. Uh, pre and post game and on the radio you just don't have that with, with the Wizards and Bullets here you know outside of Phil again they had Phil forever and Phil was doing fine I don't know why he was forced into retirement but he was um, and then you decided to bring a bunch of people in here that were like role players at best and I'm being generous uh, and on 10-day contract people uh, that are now your media people uh, talking about this team it's weird but that's a whole different topic. But, but my thing with the Wizards is like they never had, they had a lot of Moses Malone's, uh, Bernard King types, you know, hey, we're here for a few years, we're out, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. And, you know, the Wizards have kind of fallen into the same thing. And I get it. In the NBA, it's hard to keep people forever, right? It's hard to have a guy just stick it out with one franchise and, and do it. So I think, you know, the idea that Brad wants to do that's great. And if it's in the best interest of the Wizards, even better. But, you know, that's where they've got to, kind of figure that whole thing out here really this year, right? Are they going to be able to get better with Bradley? And is he going to want to be part of that? It sure seems like he wants to. He isn't, he isn't asking to get out of here or anything like that. So that's great. But it's just like they've got to get out of that pattern of just like, okay, being mediocre is good enough. You know, being the six, seven, eight, nine seed <laughs> in the case of these last couple of years, or ten, you could be a 10 seed, I guess, this year too, uh, is okay. You know, and so hopefully – they try to get out of that mix and, and actually, you know, tr you know, truly try to be a championship team. Everybody says it, but very few teams know how to do it or actually walk the walk. Scott, why do you think it's so hard for them to get guys to come? You would think that DC would be like a, a, a city where young kids want to go hang out and, and be at. And, and yet right. it does, it, it has, it, it's the exact opposite. You're right. Nobody, nobody's ever want to come. Yeah. I mean, if people always say, Oh, well, Paul Pierce. Okay. That was one guy. He stayed a year and he left. Um, you know, part of it is the team hasn't been good. The organization kind of cut corners. I mean, in Ray Poland, you know, like they did some things. They had the least staffed, like advanced scouting and those kind of things. They're behind a lot of areas. Now, Ted has tried to, you know, catch them up on that. But he's also cut some corners in some areas, too. Let's not, let's not make it out to be like he's Mark Cuban here or something, you know, because he hasn't been. Uh, he talks a great game. Uh, I think he is – it sometimes it seems like his heart's in the right place, but, I, but the actions don't always back it up. Um you know, I tell you what hurt him. I mean, the, the year where they went into free agency after coming off a really good season with Scott Brooks and, you know, they're coming in with Scott Brooks and they got, they got nothing. Obviously they didn't even get a call back from Kevin Durant. I don't even know, you know, if they even reached out to him or whatever happened. I mean, what didn't help there was when John Wall was like, he was too cool for it. Right. Like, no, I'm not going to call people. I'm not going to recruit for my team. That's a big problem. Like you got to have guys that are pride in being here and, and be a part of the organization. Nowadays, it's not just enough for the GM and the owner uh, to reach out like the players have to 
you know, be the ones doing this. We saw, we just heard the story about LeBron James basically recruited, you know, Russell Westbrook to the Lakers. Like he, he was the one who sold him on the idea, which then sold the Lakers on the idea because the player wanted to be a part of it. So, you know, this is how, this is how the things work. And if you're not going to be one of those guys that wants to do that for your franchise, you're probably going to be on a crappy team or you're going to have to go join somebody. And you know that, and I don't think John did them any favors with that. I don't know if it was a jealousy thing on his part. He knew that KD would be bigger than him, which he would have been, uh, or, or what it was. I mean, you know, no matter what him and Brad say, there was always some weird thing with them too. You know, there was always like that little, like, well, I was here first, you know, well, I was, you know, but you got the max contract. Well, I had the max, you know, that kind of crap. And, and it, and it showed, you know, like they said all the right things and they left each other last year, but they were in the same town together all off season and never worked out together. So figure that one out. Right. Um, so, you know, they, they, that's part of it too. I think, you know, the players themselves have got to be, little they have to be more invested in the team you know the organization and the structure they've got to they've got to kind of create that and ask them to do that I think I think Tommy is aware of that I think Tommy knows what he's got to do and I think Wes obviously look Wes until junior I think it was a home run hire I just hope they give him the resources and the time to to do it you know do it the right way Scott people often well let's let's let me rephrase this people on the internet (laughs) often uh come down hard on tommy just because he was you know he's been with the wizards for 15 plus years and he was under ernie grunfeld who was making all of them horrible decisions what can you say to people you've known tommy obviously you was here when west i mean when ernie was here but what can you tell people the difference between if they can't see it like i can see the difference but the difference between Ernie Grunfeld versus a Tommy Shepard. And even though Tommy was under Ernie, he is his own man. Well, right. You work under people and you've probably been whatever walk of life you're in. It's one thing to work under somebody. It's one thing to be the boss. Like you have different opinions, different ideas, and it helps shape. But Tommy came from a completely different background. He was in PR with the Nuggets. He wasn't even, and Tommy's not like some former basketball player. Tommy's a football guy and, and got into the world, of the NBA and in the world, of PR and, and is kind of build his own way and I'll say this and I and I and I take a lot of crap for this I'll defend Ernie to some degree they were complete crap when he got here like it was a mess it was like dire straits and he, he did lift the organization now he, his second go around of trying to lift the organization was not good right um, but you know there are a few things the, the wall in, injury certainly didn't play well for him and um, you know that that definitely set him back but I think Ernie like if you look at some of the trades he made over the years some of them were amazing I mean to get Kwame Brown out of here for any kind of value and some of the other ones I mean we're, we're pretty good but yeah I mean the latter part the lack of drafting the selling off picks but I will say this the selling off picks that's not something a GM just thinks of like somebody's like we need money and that's not that's not the that's not the GM okay that's not the president that's a guy who writes the check so I mean keep that in mind too so you got a little bit of that and that's why I always say with Tommy I'm cautious because he's working with the same ownership structure that Ernie was working with. Now I hope that ownership structure is understood where they screwed up with Ernie uh, and how they have to allow Tommy to do it. So, and I, I just, I just look, look, he's, he's doing some things a little bit differently. I think he's been ultra aggressive um, here in the last couple of off seasons. He's not sitting around just waiting for something to happen. He's made something happen, getting John out of here, uh, moving on from Russ, even though, you know, they said all the right things about Russ and I, I don't doubt that they believe that, but I think you realize there's a cap to what you can do with him, right? There, there's only so far you can go with him and Brad uh, and you have to try to do something different. But like I said, the next two to three steps are the ones that are going to be make or break for Tommy and what, what his tenure is going to be like here. And you could, you could bring in, you know, Masai Ujiri and the Messiah 
And again, it's not going to matter unless you get players and players that want to come here eventually. It's not going to be all this. You're not going to draft the straight, right? You're not going to draft the 12 man roster of just, oh, these draft picks are amazing. Like, I think sometimes the fan base gets all loaded up in that. People miss all the time in the draft. I mean, it happens. Even the Spurs, believe it or not, miss in the draft. Spurs have been pretty crappy, mediocre since. Uh, Tim Duncan retired and uh, Kawhi Leonard rolled out of town. They've been pretty, you know, yeah, he can coach them up, but he's a, they're not winning anything. I mean, it's, it's hard. You have to have the players. And again, until this becomes one of those places, you know, and it'd be great if you could find your Giannis in a draft or, you know, one of those guys, but they, you know, to this point have not been able to do that. You, uh, speaking of Tommy, it, it really is amazing. And in two years, he's been able to trade off what was considered two of the most untradeable contracts right. you got some players i mean i'm not saying any of those three are going to be all-stars but i like kuzma a little bit and think he could play yeah, the problem play. is that kuzma is kind of like we've got three of those guys already on the roster right i mean these stretch fours that i guess can play three what well, sure feels like davis davis bertans is not part of the plan right i mean they bring in a lot of stretch fours behind him right and it, it sure feels like they're they're opening the door to if somebody wants to take davis bertans in that contract they'll be happy to take him, right? Like, they'll be happy to move him, I should say. It, it sure seems like that that's the way they've been moving it. But, you know, I mean, at the same time, it's all interchangeable now in the NBA. I mean, you could have multiple stretch floors on the floor. As long as they can, somebody can handle the ball, you got one or two ball handlers out there, you guys can, you know, space and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, it is – there is a lot of – there is some sameness. I know what you're saying to it now. Outside of point guard, which is d deficient at this point. Um, but, you know, they still have time to, to obviously work all that out. Who, what did you think about the draft pick, Kispert? You know, Kispert. yeah, Kispert. Yeah, I, I liked watching him in the tournament. I, I mean, I liked that Gonzaga team. I thought they were going to win it all. And then, it, obviously, the semifinal game sucked the life out of them. They were they were they had no legs and, you know, give Baylor a lot of credit. But, yeah, that was a good pick. I mean, I, I kind of wanted them to do what they did, which was get a second pick, and, and that was great. I actually wanted them to take Bones Highland uh, out of ECU with their second pick because I saw him play in college the last two years, and they needed – a guard that a scoring guard and he's got i mean like freaking unlimited range i mean it's it's stupid but you know i think the todd picks fine i mean you know i can i i guess i don't know i mean i didn't watch the g league so i'm not here to tell you i actually have any idea if he could play but you know the, the type of player all the stuff you read about him seems fine it wasn't like out of whack with what they were doing it wasn't like just some reach crazy pick or anything like that so you know we'll see and again the, the other part well the thing that's killed the wizards in the past is development like like do you develop your players like do you get guys in here that do they make themselves better do they get better uh they've had some guys that have but they've had a lot of them that haven't i mean beal did but beal's also probably one of those guys you could have put him anywhere and he was gonna you know work his way in, into being better um you know wall did to some degree you know his jump shot was still broken when he left here it's you know, still broken in houston so at some point you got a point of players and that kind of stuff so um, that, that's the other thing, you know, can they develop these guys? Are they going to give them the time? You know, there's a huge off season for Rui. I mean, he's looked good in the Olympics. That's great. Um, can he come here and do that in the NBA this year? You know, that remains to be seen. Yeah. I like the, I like the Chris, Chris Burt pick. Um, I, I was, I was a big Moses Moody fan, but he went to go to state. The pick he, he was on their list. I heard. Yeah. So I, I like the pick. They, they desperately need shooting. One of the worst three point shooting teams in the yeah. league last year. Guy's mature. He's been around, you know, yeah, like, the whole thing, like a lot of times, and this happens here all the time in this city, 
has ruined a lot of immature players. I mean, because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff going, of course, there's a lot less going on right now because, you know, everybody's shutting down early, but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's been another problem. I mean, you know, the time I covered the team, I mean, there's guys like that literally, you know, people talk about what they did on the court, but there, I could tell you more stories about them off the court is why they're not here. Like just getting caught into the lifestyle, the league and, you know, the city and all that just grabs them. And, it, and it's a shame because they had talent. I mean, they were talented. And that's why, again, I go back to the whole, like, you got to have like an adult, you know, structure, you know, and a really, you know, really good leadership in which they do with Bradley. Um, you know, here's a guy who's, you know, family guy, he's married, he's got kids, you know, he wants, he's, he's not here just to, you know, cash checks, you know, but they've had a lot of guys who have been here just to cash checks over the years. And that, that has not helped the environment. Scott, I wonder how do you feel? I, I was a big, you know, I believe last year that uh, for multiple reasons, but um, Tommy and Scott weren't necessarily on the same page with the type of players Tommy was bringing in and how Scott Brooks decided to use said players, which normally wasn't to their strength. Mm-hmm. Um, do you believe that one of the reasons why Tommy went after a highly coveted assistant was so him and the assistant can actually get on the same page with the type of players they're bringing in, the type of team they're trying to create. So you can get a Denny in his natural position as a secondary ball handler, as opposed to standing on the perimeter for three, three point shots or or something of that magnitude. Well, I mean, I also think the bigger picture was Scott, he was here for five years. He was paid handsomely and he did, he wasn't a difference maker outside of year one and maybe part of year two when, when wall was out, he was actually really good. I mean, that was a good team with, with uh, Sadoransky uh, and that group playing, you know, with everybody eats era, but then, then when wall came back, he, you know, the, the chemistry wasn't the same, but I, I think bigger, the bigger thing was the, the, the time it had run its course. Right. And, and as an organization, and as somebody, you know, as an organization or and as an ownership group that owns two teams in town, okay, if you were going to tell me you're going to run Scott, you know, you're going to keep Scott Brooks after five years of no anythings, <laughs> no banners for anything, right? And you ran out, you know, you ran out your Stanley Cup championship head coach when his contract was up. I mean, I'd have a real problem with the optics of that. And I know there are different circumstances, blah, blah, blah. BS. The optics of that for basic sports fan in town would be terrible. They'd be like, are you freaking kidding me? You're going to re-up this guy and you let Barry Trotz walk? I mean, you got to be out of your mind. So just from that standpoint, I thought there was no way in hell they could let Scott Brooks come back. Now, was I sweating a little bit for a few weeks? There was no announcement? Yeah, you damn right I was. I mean, you know, him, him and Tommy share the same agent. Tommy, by the way, was on the recruiting trip. Don't forget when they went to California to get Scott with Ernie and that crew. So let's not act like, you know, it's not my guy. I mean, it's some guy, you know, I think there was, I think there's a good relationship there. I think they like him. I think they may have offered him a contract that he just didn't think was worth coming back for too. I mean, it might've been a lower level, but anyhow, he didn't come back, you know, and, and I think West junior, you know, just, it makes sense, right? You go from the high profile guy and we can talk about his profile, whether he really was the most high profile guy at the time or was the right guy, what have you. But I think that's kind of how it works in the league. You go from one guy all right, this bed's too hard. This one's too soft. You know, try to find the, the one in between or whatever. And I think that's what they're doing here. Like, okay, so this guy was the experienced guy that was supposed to, you know, you know, be, be uh, you know, the, the ultimate respect guy. But now let's do this. You know, here's a guy who's a grinder. I mean, West Jr. was not put on the bench till Eddie Jordan was the coach. And he had been here many years before that, working in the video room, doing his scouting. I and mean, he did everything here before he ever really got a chance to be a quote-unquote quote coach as a, on the staff. So I just think it made sense. And, you know, Tommy was here too. So he knew what West junior was about. 
they talk to a million people like they always do. I mean, they love to interview people. My God. I mean, I mean, you think about how long it took to hire Tommy. I mean, same thing with it, with this situation. Obviously the teams are in the playoffs. So I, I get it. You got to take your time with some of that, but man, they really like to interview people. Um, and I was glad it came down to him, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some of that, but there's always going to be disagreement between coach and GM. There's always going to be disagreement between coach and GM about how players get used. And at the end of the day, the coaches are trying to win the game. I mean, they really are. And I have people go, Oh, you got to think big picture, but nobody gives the coach a break when you go, Oh, your team's like, you know, 12 and like 30, right? Like they, they look at the coach. They don't say the player's winning percentage is 33%. They always say coach Sullen shows 33% winning percentage. Like you don't see it like the back, like on basketball reference, they don't say, you know, Bradley Beal, you had 28 points, whatever, you know, 400 winning percentage. You know, they don't say that. They're like, you know, they, they just show the points and the stats. They don't talk about the wins and losses. It's with all these guys. So it's the coach ultimately is going to try to win. So, you know, I went through this over the years. When I covered the team, Doug Collins, they would talk about a plan at the beginning of the year, how we're going to do this, do that. But then they get in the game and they're trying to win the game. So, you know, they're, they're going to go after it. Same thing with Eddie. You know, same thing with Randy Whitman. You know, you saw it here with Scott as well. I'm sure they had one plan one way and then the other nights they would get into other things. But yeah, I mean, he did some head scratching things, but also, you know, the bigger, the bigger thing I had with him was like, it's just, it didn't seem like there was an accountability level. Like we talk about how sucky the defense is every night. We just kind of throw our hands up in the air and then re rinse repeat. And the same thing would happen the next night. Right. And then this year they got so caught up and twisted into all oh, the COVID is just ruining us. We're the only team that's dealing with this. And granted they had it really bad. But it was like, you know, stop making all the excuses and just, you know, you got to try to play through the, you know, try to make a season out of it. And they ended up doing that well. But for a while there, it was just the wallowing was like, it was, it was mind blowing, you know. Uh, and and it's just like, that's, that's a pattern that I've just seen for like three to four decades with this group. Absolutely. Well, let's switch gears here and talk about the other team that's getting started up. They've got, they've got more players on the COVID list and I, I'm not, one to tell people what to do, yeah. but it seems like it is becoming an issue, if not a problem. If uh, if we were actually in the season, I mean, we'd yeah. have premier players not playing football games, uh, and I'm not sure what they're going to do about it. Coaches said over and over without saying, "Go get the shot." Right. You know, all the reasons why you should get the shot, including the fact that he's not fully healthy. You know, immunization-wise. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I, I do you don't. Think yeah, I don't think there's much they can do. I mean, the NFL has put as much peer pressure regulations in place, right, for all these teams to, like, okay, you want to lose money, you want to cost your friends some money, uh, then don't get the shot, right? That's that's basically how you got to look at it. I mean, that's they've just made it very difficult. Now, some guys have gotten on board. Uh, I think it was um, Gandy Golden today said, yeah, I got it because, you know, I just felt like it was just too much of a risk getting later in the year. And he was also watching the news about the Delta variant and all this other stuff that's going on. And then, you know, the paycheck part of it, I'm sure kicks in. I saw Ryan Tannehill said the same thing last week. You know, he's like, once I saw the restrictions for non-vaccinated players, it's like, it's a no brainer. I got to do this. Um, you hope to think, you know, I don't know everybody's background with doctors, what have you. I always got vaccines as a kid, never had any issues with them, got the COVID vaccine as soon as I could. I just think about where we were a year ago at this time. And people were just like, damn, if somebody could just give me a shot and I could go out there and live a normal life again. Right. right. Like we're all just begging for it. And now here we are. And the shots have been available for months. And so people are like, well, I don't know. I need more information on it. And, and you know, that's fine. If that's really the way you think. And if you're really like, Hey, my body's a temple. I get it. A lot of these guys, I mean, this is what they do for a living. However, I will say this, just check the back of some of those sports supplements you use, you know, and I'm just, 
you know, or and things that you use and, and make sure everything that's in it's all perfect as you think it is. And then, you know, you know how it is. I mean, you probably got a neighbor or a friend that you know that's like, I'll never get the vaccine yet. He's like a chain smoker, right? Or something like that. I mean, it's like it just doesn't compute to me, like, well, I wouldn't put this in my body, but um, but sure, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go knock out, you know, a you know, a 12 pack tonight or whatever. It's like oh, okay, I mean. <laughs> all right whatever it just is weird you know and then you, you know and, and i'm not even talking to the guys that are on peds around the league that are like oh yeah i'm not doing this but you know these guys like i'm like wait a minute was this guy like pop for like performance dancing drugs drugs a few years ago now he's not gonna get a vaccine okay whatever i mean it's just it's just kind of strange to me but it's a world we're living in um you know it, it, i think every day they put out new data that says it's the people that get really sick to go to hospitals don't have the shot and people still feel like they can just roll the dice i guess scott besides from the COVID absences at camp so far what what have you what has your impressions of this year's uh team look like to you well i mean i was i've only been out like i literally was out there today in, in nashburn i didn't go to richmond and they they will not have pads until tomorrow so it's really hard to say anything until they do that and play preseason games and actually compete but i think what you've seen um so far as they have a pretty deep group of receivers, it's going to be a tough cut. I mean, I, when I was out there today, those guys didn't drop balls. Uh, Steve Sims, who had issues dropping balls in the season, did not drop a single pass, made some really tough catches today. Um, you know, you saw, you know, Gandy Golden make some plays. Looks like a different guy out there. I think the 11 looks a lot better on him at 10 did. Uh, he looked good. You know, Brown, the rookie, is as good as advertised, I think. Carter, who's a vet, who's been around for a while, he made some plays. I mean, Flash McLaurin doesn't miss. I mean, so they're, they're, that's interesting. Um, the ends were getting, you know, getting pressure quite often, which as you would expect them to do. I'm talking about, obviously, Young and, and Sweat. Uh, they, were, they were crashing in there quite a bit. I mean, there was, some, you know, the DBs, you know, Landon Collins, man, that's, a, that's amazing. I mean, really. It's told incredible. Me, Achilles tendon to see him running the way he is out. That's incredible. And he, he heard, he heard the talking. He's on the mission right dude, now. Dude, he, look, he, heard he the looks talk. incredible out there running around. I couldn't believe that. You know, I thought, I, I tell you what, um, uh, Jared Patterson, um, the, you know, the rookie from Buffalo, uh, the undrafted rookie, he's, he, he shows you some stuff. That's interesting. McKissick still looks really good uh, running in there. And, you know, obviously Antonio Gibson as well. So that, you know, I thought I'm excited about the, uh, you know, as long as Gibson and McKissick are healthy, they'll be good. But the fact that they got a rookie that can come in and play could could be helpful. Um, you know, because that's you still always need to have depth. Because we saw last year Gibson was rolling along, and then that turf toe bites him in that Pittsburgh game, and then obviously changed a lot of the things they could do on offense. So that's good. I mean, I'm I'm still like I said, a lot of stuff you got to see him with pads on going against real you know competition. But I think overall there there's some things to be interested in. Um, you know, Heineke was dropping some dimes in the other day. Fitzpatrick got his moments too. They're both similar. They can get out of their way. I mean, you didn't have a quarterback when Smith was playing last year. It was like having a wounded, wounded animal out there at times, you know? I mean, it was a shame. He was gutting it out and he did some good things for them, but he just couldn't get out of his own way. Whereas these two guys can really move, which is helpful, I think. And it, I think it'll bring another dimension to the offense this year. You said you were out there today. No Jamin Davis today, did I see? He has an eye infection. It sounds oh, terrible. Hey. Yeah, it's gross. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he's pink guy or what, he's in the eye infection. So he didn't play today. Uh, who else was out today? Jonathan Allen was on the side today. Cordius Lucas was back from the COVID list, but he he did not practice um, with them. But he was out there at least. So I guess that means he's cleared whatever he has to clear. And obviously, Ionitis, Sheriff, Payne, and I don't know, I'm missing Chris Miller, but not the Chris Miller that works at NBC Sports. 
um, those guys were all out and there's somebody else I'm missing. But anyway, so those people weren't there, yeah. but it, and I'll be, oh, Kyle Allen's not practicing right now. Cause he's, he tweaked his, uh, ankle, which he got surgical repairs. So that's a little, you know, doesn't seem like a big thing. Ah, it's third string, but you're like, well, we saw last year, all three could play. <laughs> all three could play yeah. at some point. All three could play at some point. Scott, I'm, I've been big on, um, and Doug to tell you, I've been big on repeatedly saying to myself and others, this is year two of a rebuild or retool, whichever right, right, re you right, want to right, right. Yeah. And, you know, yes, we backed into a division as division champs last year because division was just horrible. But do you feel like the team is saying, possibly doing all the right things that that lets us know, like, yes, we want to win. Yes. You know, we want to be division champs again. But we know this is a different year than last year. Like we're starting all over again, and and this is year two of a retool or rebuild. Yeah, I mean, I think like I think Ron made a big point of that. Like it starts over. Like none of that carries over. And this always drives me crazy about the NFL because people just assume because say you won three games at the end of the year, oh, you just pick up with a three game win streak in the following year. No, I mean your roster is completely different. The other teams are trying to get better. You could have a great offseason. Like this team had a good offseason, right? And they, they actually have gotten the roster better. It doesn't mean that, you know, they are necessarily going to be like leaps and bound better in terms of, of record when it's all said and done for all we know. I mean, Dallas didn't take the offseason off. They had a really good draft there. You know, you would like to think if for them, if Prescott plays, they're probably not as horrific as they were last year, even though their defense was horrible. Um, Philadelphia, it's hard to imagine it could be that much crappier. Uh, than they were last year, but they are starting essentially with a rookie quarterback. It hurts, you know, he played some, but he didn't play a ton. Um, the Giants are the the team that's kind of like hard to figure out because to me, it's a lot of it has to do with Saquon Barkley. Like if Saquon Barkley plays, okay, then their chances are a heck of a lot better. I mean, I don't really think Daniel Jones is really exciting outside of when he plays Washington. I mean, <laughs> when he plays this team, he looked, you know, he looks like a world beater against everybody else. He says, eh, he's, he's okay. But their defense was really tough last year. They were really well coached. I mean, they were, you know, I think Joe Judge did a lot of good things. They kind of, you know, I think they impressed me in that regard. But, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I always got all wrapped up in the division, which, you know, is kind of the way your brain works with with uh, the NFL over the years. But now that we've expanded to 17 games, yeah, I mean, you don't want to suck in your division, but it's six games, right? I mean, you have more games. Uh, you know, it's not like the old days when you had, uh, you know, five-team divisions and it was half your games, right? It was those eight games as your division. So if you did terrible in your division, you're probably out of it. Now it's actually, you could survive a two and four division record, which seems ridiculous, but you, you could do that now as long as you play well outside of it. So, I, I mean, I think they're better. How much better? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, when they get at it, like a lot of it has to do with Fitzpatrick, you know, how, how well he hooks onto this thing. And if he's the guy that, you know, came off the bench in Miami and every time he started, you know, everybody loved him, then, you know, they could have some really good things happen for him. Well, I was, I was going to ask you, Scott, what makes for a good season for this team? Well, I mean, I think you want to do better record. I mean, I don't think you want to be below 500. I mean, you could be – this is so goofy. You could be 9 and 8. <laughs> you could be 10 and – you could be 10 and 7. I mean, I got to, like, work on the – I start – like, it really – like, sometimes I can really stop myself before I start thinking about the numbers. But, yeah, I mean, I think just being better, like winning more games, right? Just, you know, offensively, you know, there was so many games last year where it was like, oh, my God, it was you know, like, come on, three and out, three and out, punt, you know, you know, you just you just couldn't find a rhythm until it was too late, you know, like the, the game against Carolina, I mean, literally it was three quarters before they could get out of their own way. And then, 
you know, Heineke comes in and the whole, you know, lit the world on fire um, that last quarter. Um, so yeah, it just, you want to see some more consistency, you know, from them, like from start to finish, make life easier on the defense. I mean, like, you know, when you get a short field, you know, cash in and you know, the defense gets off the field, you know, stay on the field. Don't, you know, just give it right back to the you know other team's offense right away. So those are the kind of things you just want to see the consistency level. I, I think, you know, I think Ron, I mean, there's so many things that are better about the the team. Like you could see last year, even if it, the winds weren't racking up, like I go to practice and I just watch the practice, like, this is so much better. Like this looks so much better than it used to look with uh, the last six years with Jay and even Callahan who did kind of ramp it up a little bit with the practices and stuff when, when he took over. But, you know, I, I think that's still got to, it's in translate into, into consistency and consistent winning. And we'll see, I mean, you know, again, everything, everybody feels good this time of year outside of Indianapolis today, lost their starting quarterback. Uh, Scott, you spoke about it uh, when we first started talking about the receivers, and and this is a place where a lot of people are interested. Uh, best guess, we we know the we know three who's definitely yeah. on the roster: McLaurin, Samuels, and the rookie Brown. Mm-hmm. Best guess, how many do they keep, and which and which other receivers make make the cut? Uh, I mean, I think barring injury, I think Humphreys will make the team. He looks like him and Fitzpatrick have a real connection. You can see that, like there's there's something there. Um, I think Sims, Cam Sims, and then I think you're talking about what am I at right now? I'm at five right there, right? Is that five? Yep. Five. You kind of brown, right? You kind of brown in the beginning. Yep. I yep. think then you're looking at it's like Harmon, Steve Sims, and AGG, those yeah, guys. Yeah, AGG. And then, I mean, Milne to me could be practice squad. I mean, if he's a slot guy anyway, he's already disadvantaged because you got Humphreys who, who was there and, you know, at that position as a veteran, unless you just really loved him, you know, in these games. Um, so, I mean, it just, and again, Rod went over this today because I asked him, because you watch it and you're like, well, crap, are you going to cut the six is hard, right? And cutting to, you know, but then like the seven, eight territory on the scenes obnoxious. You're like, well, what are you going to do? Are you a run and shoot team? Why the hell are you need seven or eight receivers on this team? And then, it, then you start saying, well, you know, Steve Sims Jr. better be better on punt returns or whoever is back there, you know, or, or kickoff returns, whoever, whoever those guys, they have to really solidify themselves there. <clears throat> to make the roster can you be a gunner can you run down on punts can you cover punts can you cover kickoffs and those kind of things that aren't really you know sexy and exciting but those and, and you won't see those in practice you'll see that you know um like the second you know second and third preseason games most likely uh who who separates themselves there but if they kept six i mean it's basically those three guys you mentioned i think Humphreys is probably the fourth guy i would say you know again it comes down i think cam sims is ahead of steve and then the rest of that group after that but I could see them squeezing a seven. And then, then you, you know, I would even talk about Isaiah Wright or DeAndre Carter or those guys, but I think, you know, they probably have a little bit more to overcome. And then who knows what somebody, somebody gets hurt. Unfortunately, they could just, it changes the trajectory for all this. Scott, you were at, did radio forever with Brian and Doc. Uh, Got to be a great job, but also maybe the hardest job on the planet to keeping those two guys in line. <laughs> or just not like, like trying to just to, goof around which we did a lot of uh but it was fun no it, it was a good time i still um you know i i missed going to camp this the last two years because obviously we didn't we didn't have uh camp down there last year but that was that was the only like last week everybody's down there burning up in richmond and i was like you know i don't want to go down and watch guys in shells you, you know i was kind of <laughs> glad that they saved the pads for ashburn but uh, i did think about that we had some great fun down there over the years with the interviews and like, you know, the players that would come in there with just great access and, and all that kind of stuff. But 
Yeah, those it's great when you we're playing with two we're working with two guys that like literally won Super Bowls and were in the heyday of this organization. And Doc was had on some teams that were really good that didn't win Super Bowls. I hear, you know, and they just hear the stories and you know, then all their old friends come by, and you know, here's Gary Clark, here's Joe Theisman, you know, here's, here's Ricky Urbans, and these guys just kind of popping in, uh, saying hello over the years. It, it was that was a lot of fun to do that. No, no, no doubt about it. Scott, we thank you for your time today. We don't want to take up all of your time, but yeah, we thank, we thank you for, for popping up uh, with us. Uh, please let the people know where they can find you and, and what you have coming up. Uh, at Jackson Sports, I got coming up. I'll be um, I'll be on the post game a week from Thursday, ready ready to take your calls. Hopefully about some good stuff. Hopefully a clean preseason. You know, healthy, clean preseason um, should be good. So uh, we'll we'll talk to you there this after all the games this year. Thank, Thank you, Scott. Scott. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a good one.